missing save for. Hi, I'm Jason. I'm Paul. And this is The Missing Save File, a video game podcast where we talk about the games that we somehow missed the first time around. It is a combination video game book club meets us reconciling with our video game piles of shame. And uh, Paul, I think this time around, this is a game that you had never played before. Is that correct? You know, if I did, it was like a few minutes here or there, probably multiplayer, which doesn't exist in the platform I played it on um, back in 2002. Yes, and so this one does go, man, it really does not feel like 2002 is as long ago as it was, but it really is. Uh, This week we are talking about Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast, which is a title that is really a mouthful. (laughs) At the the end it should be colon Rodian Murder Simulator. (laughs) There are so many of them. So many Rodians. Uh, Jedi Knight 2 is a Star Wars game that was released in 2002. It was developed by Raven Software, but it was also marketed and released as a LucasArts product. This is, of course, before LucasArts was absorbed in the great Walt Disney uh, merger of uh, 2013. Uh, So this is, you know, before millions of voices were cried out at the development (laughs) studio and were suddenly silenced. Um, It was distributed and marketed by LucasArts uh, and Activision. They they teamed up together. At the start of the game, right, when you first power it on and it's like the LucasArts logo comes up, you know, that old school one. You're Mm -hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's right. They made some good games. Then the Activision logo comes up and you're like, man, that's right. They have spent decades making some solid games. So, Yes. Yeah. And it originally released for, I believe, Windows. Uh, It came out on Mac. Uh, it was also on GameCube, which I had completely forgotten about, and there yeah, was an boy. original Xbox version as well. Uh, however, recently, and the reason why this one's a little bit easier to obtain and get into, new versions or new releases of of the old versions, essentially, have recently been put out for both PlayStation 4 and Nintendo Switch. Uh, that happened about September 24th, 2019. And I believe, Paul, that's you're, you were on Switch, right? I played this on the Switch, yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep, so it's it's a Quake 3 Arena engine game on 2019 hardware, which is absolutely incredible. This game uh, was followed by the very similar sequel, uh, Star Wars Jedi Knight uh, Jedi Academy, um, and it was pretty well received at the time, and I feel like we'll have an interesting conversation now uh, because, you know, it's a game from 2002. So this week, we are going to dive into it right here on The Missing Save File. So, Paul, I feel like I'm, I'm excited to ask you this question, but I'm also terrified to ask you this question. How did you feel playing Star Wars, colon, Jedi Knight 2, colon, Jedi Outcast? Colon, Rodian Murder Simulator. Yeah, I'm going back. Where was the text I sent about this game? Because... I remember receiving Oh, yeah, here it is. Uh so the text I sent, uh, what about two weeks ago, um, I've been trying to play Jedi Knight 2, dot, dot, dot. Is it supposed to be this bad? <laughs> <laughs> what did I even respond with? I don't remember what I said to you. Um, 
ha, but very drawn out H with a bunch of A's. <laughs> and then, um, yeah, and then uh, more text from there. Um, boy, the, that start of this game is rough. Yes. Um, Do you know, okay, so here, I remember playing this in 2002 when it came out because I, I guess I have to ask you this too to frame this conversation because I'm obviously going to try to divorce myself from my huge love of this franchise it will be exceedingly difficult and I may just stop trying at some time, but I really loved Jedi Knight and I really loved the predecessor to Jedi Knight. That's what's also weird about this title is that it's Star Wars colon Jedi Knight 2 colon Jedi Outcast, but the yeah. original Jedi Knight was also technically a sequel. Jedi Knight yeah. is Dark Forces 2. Yeah. <laughs> so this and could be Star Wars colon Dark Forces 3 colon Jedi Knight 2 colon Jedi Outcast. <laughs> yeah, and th this is where the trick, like I'm pretty sure I never played this game but, boy, I'm betting I played one of those at least a bit. I want to say maybe the first Dark Forces. Um, like, none of them made it as big of an imprint on my memory that I would have said, like, yeah, I definitely played this one. Right? It was in that era of, like, well, when yeah. did Dark Forces 1 come out? Like, 99? No, Dark Forces 1 is older than that. Because Dark Forces yeah, 1 is yeah, running yeah. on, on a, an engine very similar to, like, engine. the original Doom. Wolfenstein, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's kind of that faux 3D. It's like 2D sprites on a 3D. Yeah, plane. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Jedi Knight was a was the first proper 3D Jedi game, and I want to say that ran on the Quake Arena engine, like the original yeah. Quake Arena engine. Um, and that was that game was mind blowing at the time because while the visuals now obviously have not aged very well, because pretty much every early 3D engine game, you just know, looks, it's it's not the worst. Yeah, I'll yeah. toss but, it out there. It's but the uh, full motion cutscenes um, were were you know pretty well done, and it's a LucasArts production, and so it really felt pretty cinematic. And I remember playing Jedi Knight. The original Jedi Knight was like my jam because it came out. I want to say like ninety seven or ninety eight. I without looking it up, I'm pretty I sure I'm probably track it yeah there. Um, and friends of mine and I got together and played that multiplayer. At a time when online multiplayer was really, really chaotic and disorganized, it was like dial-up modem 56K connections yeah, to the boy. MSN gaming zone installing third-party apps so you could play it actually multiplayer and not just on local LAN. So when this game came out in 2002, I was hyped as all get out. And I played it and I played it and I played it. But the reason why we went down this tangent is to go back to your original observation about the first three levels, which is, is it supposed to be bad? And do you, do you know, like, I have a specific reason why I think you're observing that, but what would you pin that on in terms of why you feel that it's bad? Um, I mean, do you want to take a shot at it? I think it has to do with the, the uh, weapons fire projectile speed. Uh, probably. Yeah, that's probably about 90% of it. <laughs> so essentially, there's a very, in this game, it's very weird because I remember playing this and I had that same observation where essentially, even with mouse and keyboard, which is how this game was originally designed to be played because it was a PC release. Boy, yeah, let me tell you, it felt like I was hurting for a mouse and keyboard. Um, <laughs> at least when you're, when you're using blasters, right? Mm -hmm. um, it was like, boy, this, this was definitely designed for a mouse and keyboard. Um, like, I wanted to try to figure out if I could put a keyboard on my switch, which I almost certainly cannot. Um, but, oh, like I'm sitting in a computer recording this and I could put my, you know, my hands at the WASD and put on that mouse. And it's like, yeah, that's how I have that muscle memory of this game should have been played that way. Yeah. At least for the first bunch of levels. 
Yes. Well, the other, there's another thing that I think is kind of missing from the Switch experience, at least in general, because I did spend some time playing it on Switch as well before I just waved off and went like, nope, I'm going back to my Steam copy. Uh, the other thing that the Switch copy is really clumsy about is saving. Yeah. So the, that's, yeah. There's That would there's, also be in there. There's essentially like, there are key bindings in the PC version for quick save and quick load. And you can actually see that if you watch people like speed run this game because they they do that. But what's kind of missing from the equation and what's really missing from modern day gaming in general is the expectation that you are using those. Because the game's difficulty curve, yes, yeah. the game's difficulty curve as such is set so that like if you're a console uh, gamer and you play retro like console games, a lot of people refer to that as save states if you're using an emulator uh, because you can basically take a snapshot save at any time. That's quick save and that's quick load. And most modern gaming has walked away from that style of, of saving in general because it's it's a little weird. But PC gaming around the turn of the millennium basically relied upon quick save and quick load. And once I remembered that in my playthrough of this and I found a reasonable way to do that on Switch, I my experience became infinitely greater. But when I first started playing this on Switch, I got super frustrated. And I oh, remembered yeah. playing this even back in 2002 because they made a specific design choice in this game, which is really strange, which is when you fire any blaster in this game, the travel speed is noticeably slower than pretty much any other video game shooter you play. Which is to say that if there's a guy across the you know room from you and you fire a blaster bolt at it, it's very unlikely that you will hit that person if you're not leading them in a specific way. Yeah, or, or like if they step away. If they're moving, like don't even try. Just yep. wait for them to stop moving. Um, luckily, you don't have to... I mean, again, this is why a lot of the reviews of this game will say like, just get past the first few levels. Mm -hmm. um, because it's so... Oh, yeah. It's hard to use those starting blasters especially again with with twin sticks and not a mouse and keyboard yes um and you're right the save states were the other big thing because I, I started i tried the first level and i think what it was is i had you know i'm not in the mindset of 2002 anymore and so i started and it's like oh cool like within you know 45 seconds you get a checkpoint um and that's very much how it, look, let's put that out there this is 2002 um 2000 this is about Halo one is out combat evolved, right? Yep. Um, Halo one is a good contrast to this of like, you can't save states in Halo one. Um, and you eventually just get checkpoints, right? Mm -hmm. So the whole game is about getting to the next checkpoint. Um, so having a checkpoint, like 45 seconds in, I was like, Oh cool. This is a checkpoint based game. So you keep playing for a while. Um, and you die and you're like, Oh, I guess it's just that checkpoint. And you keep like pushing into the level, like, deep into that first level um and I, I would die and it's like oh i'm back at like the start again um yep. before yep. i really realized oh i should be save stating um frequently um and it was also like I, so i went through a bunch of runs where it's like i'm just trying to get around that next corner to find this next checkpoint and it's just never there it's no. just not there and, um, and, and it's a health it's a health management stim simulator at that point <laughs> yeah, kind of is. Yeah, exactly. I'm really glad you actually brought up Halo because I did not think about it in terms of contrasting it so directly with that title. But if you are listening to this podcast and you've ever you've ever heard conversations about the great console debates, right? Oh, sure. Or, or the great platform debates. 
and you talk about like PC gamer mentality versus console gamer mentality, most of that conversation in modern day gaming is essentially worthless because most, I mean, and, and I'll probably make a lot of enemies by saying that, but I play on literally everything. I have a PC, which is pretty modern at this point, and I play a lot of games there. But I have an Xbox One X, I have a PS4 Pro, I have a Nintendo Switch, so I try to just sample stuff where wherever I can. But no, no clearer distinction between mindsets of console versus PC as a platform exist than I think putting Star Wars Jedi Knight 2 Jedi Outcast up against Halo. Because in a lot of ways, the way console gaming was going in 2002 was largely just more player friendly. And I, I feel like many people hung on to these weird layers of artifice that exist in Jedi Knight 2 as, quote, the way hardcore games are supposed to be. And I think if you really think about it long enough, you realize that that's just kind of silly because why should a game put a checkpoint in at all if they're expecting you to quick save and quick load? Yeah. Like that, when you get down to it, that's just objectively a weird choice and kind of a bad design decision. (laughs) Yeah, the times, like when I die, it's very, very rare in this game that the thing I do is reload a checkpoint. Right. Because I almost certainly have a save that's after it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's... And at that point, it's like, why why even have, you know, checkpoints to begin with? Yeah. So I feel like a lot of games have just gone the direction of the original Halo, which is to understand that, okay, in the way that they coded the checkpoints in the original Halo were pretty genius, actually, because they essentially just revolve around whether or not the player is currently engaged in combat actions. And once you clear a room of bad dudes, it basically just says, okay, is there anybody engaging the player? Is the player in any engagement? No. Then it pretty much just gives you a checkpoint. Yeah. Um, yeah, if you're in that zone, right, in an area. Which yeah. is no different than how people play these games. It's just you're then relying on the player to remember to do that. Yeah, I'm not quick as even in the middle of a fight. Exactly, oh. which which kind of just takes you out of the experience, I think. So that's, that's one of the hard knocks against this game, playing it in what is now 2020, uh, a game from 2002. It, it, that part of it, I think, feels 18 years old. <laughs> well, and you said you found a way to do quick saves better on the switch because I did not. So I'm, I'm still going into the save menu saving. Um, and then also taking, uh, taking note of how many save states I have right now, because I assume that back in 2002, you were playing this on a, on a hard drive that had like 10 K memory. No, <laughs> um, big old, big old hard drives, single well, discs, platters, records. Yeah. Um, because yeah. you could save like five saves before an error, not even before it says like, would you like to delete some, an error pops up and says, hey, you can't do this. You already have too many. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, look, man, this whole game on my Switch takes up like 0% of my Switch memory. Let me fill the memory with these save states that I guarantee are like not at all any memory. Well, and that's where I'm wondering about the port of this uh, in 2019 because my memory of of that, and in fact, I'll have to go back. I believe I have more saves in my actual like catalog on my Steam version than the Switch version allows. And I can't speak to the PS4 version because I haven't played it, but that feels like a really weird design choice, particularly on a game that requires you to have save states. It's it's probably sandboxing, right? That um, on the Switch, it has to declare a um, part of the memory that it's taking up. So yeah. it declared X amount of memory, and then it only has that. It can't eat the rest of the drive. Yep. Um, whereas on a PC back in the day, 
you know, I could have as much memory as I wanted. Yeah, you can keep so. saving until your hard drive is full, basically. Yeah, until it, yeah, the computer starts yelling you when you're insane, you're out of hard drive space. So, so basically, save states, and, and I want to get back to the other thing that we talked about in terms of why this game is a rough sell, and particularly why it's a rough experience when you first dive in, the, the projectile speed and blaster combat. Do you know why they made that decision? No. Why it's no. slow? I didn't look at any of the um, sort of game design choices. So I, this is, I'm pulling memories literally from 2002. So, so forgive me if I fudge any of this or this is wrong, but I was really into this game around 2002 and some of the stuff, you know, really stuck with me. And I remember one of my chief critiques of this game was blasters just kind of suck and like it's, they're not fun to use. And I was reading, I'm pretty sure it was probably a PC gamer article right up at the time and they were interviewing the developers and they basically came out and said yes blaster combat feels kind of weird but the reason they did that was blaster bolts essentially travel at a much slower speed than you would anticipate for a shooter game because we wanted to emphasize lightsaber combat and the ability to deflect lightsaber bolts away from yourself yeah. or back at the bad guys or both that would have been my guess that they wanted to slow down enemy blasters yes. but that has the side effect of slowing down player yes. blasters and and effectively in order to make the weapons feel consistent they made the choice and i feel like that was probably the wrong choice because i feel like in other games there are really good examples of like your <laughs> the stuff you do doesn't effectively match one to one what your ai combatants can do and I feel like that probably would have been the better compromise because it does just really yeah. feel terrible to fire the stormtrooper like blaster. And maybe that's also a nod to the fact that stormtroopers can't hit the broadside of a barn. Sure. It's, I also could have said that it's uh, colon uh, stormtrooper simulator <laughs> that like it, it helps you understand what stormtroopers are going through in every one of the movies where they enter a hallway, they're five feet away from someone, they have a gun leveled at them and they just <laughs> open up with it and the shots just disperse to everywhere. Uh, not because of recoil, just because they're coming out of the gun in, at weird angles. All I'm hearing in my head now is Obi-Wan Kenobi saying, not as clumsy or random as a blaster. Right? <laughs> and this is why Jedis don't use blasters. <laughs> <laughs> there's a scene in the Mandalorian uh, which also uh, underscores that quite nicely it's towards the end of the the end of the run and it's a nice little easter egg in there if you get a chance to see that so um, yeah I, I just this this game in going back to it was both as great as I remember and also as terrible as I remember and I feel like I buried the parts in my memory that were just like really rough and, and really like frustrating and so I guess I, I'm, I'm curious Again, I'm obviously looking through rose-tinted glasses back at this. So you had a terrible time, at least initially. <laughs> what Were you able to get over that mountain or were was that basically coloring your entire experience? Or, or, or I mean, how, how did so, you feel about it? If you're on the Switch, I'll tell you the secret to liking this game. Um, and this is the thing you should take away from it. And it is up, down, click, left, stick, click, right, stick click left stick uh when you're in the menu, menu. um and that is the game genie <laughs> menu essentially uh-huh uh-huh and um again i said that the early levels i put hours into that first level because it was like oh you know i got hurt a bit it's also one of these games where once you're hurt like there's a number down in the corner but it's very hard to tell in combat that you're getting hurt or that you're about to die until you just die. You get like very uh, minimal screen shake and then like a, uh, uh. 
But if you're at one hit point, like your character still performs the yes. same as a hundred foot full yes. shield. Um, so yeah, e- even using that menu every once in a while to um, top off health or something. Um, again, which you could also do with save states. Again, if you were doing quick saves a ton, um, or some places where it's just like, man, I could spend a while doing this room, especially early with blasters, or I could just turn on God mode and just kind of run through it. Um, make those first levels palatable. Yeah. Yep. Right. And, and it's, I, I've also read a lot online where people are like, oh yeah, just like skip the first bunch of levels until you get your fourth powers and lightsabers. Um, cause you could do that through the, I think you have to turn on that cheat menu at a different place to skip levels. I never did it. Um, I played through every level. Um, because I think if you just skip the first levels that w- the story would make no sense. Yeah, correct. Um, that if you're going to skip the first few levels, just turn on God mode for him and then run through them and get the story mm-hmm. because the story is pretty good. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the parts you're remembering, right? That Cal Katarn's, uh, a, an interesting character. Um, Luke's here, uh, Lando Calrissian's here. Mm-hmm. Um, a whole bunch of Rodians are here. <laughs> Lots of those. Almost um, as many of them as stormtroopers. For Boy, for a big part, right? So <laughs> you play the first few levels and you're killing a bunch of stormtroopers. Tro- and then once you get, right? Boy, where is it? Once you get to Narshada, it's like, man, in Narshada, I feel like I had killed more Rodians at that point than I had killed stormtroopers up to that point. Um, and it's like... I haven't looked it up, but it's like, is Narshada the, the Rodian home world or something? Yeah. Or I don't know. That's that's a good point. I mean, someone, well, we, we could maybe look that up on Wikipedia, but the I think the Rodians are also True. really memorable because uh, they're the most dangerous enemies in that level too, because they have the one weapon that's hit scan in the game. Yeah, boy. <laughs> yeah. Once you have a lightsaber and you could just, you know deflect stuff and throw your lightsaber at them. Right. I spent most of the game just throwing my lightsaber yeah. around. Um, yeah. There's the other, what are the other, um, not the Rodians. Someone with the like eyes on stalks. Oh, the three guys. Yeah. I, the three eyed dudes. The guys that, yeah, they throw bombs mm-hmm. at you. Those are also pretty Those dangerous. Those guys are pretty rough. Um, yeah. So you get a Bep's, Bespin. It's fun to be on Bespin. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking through. So I, like I said, I've gotten pretty deep. I, boy, I feel like I've gotten pretty deep in this game. I feel like, I've played a lot of this game um, and I keep feeling like, man, I must be on the last level, even though I'm on, I don't know. I'm on something that's like the Karen installation one or something. Um, I think I'm close to getting to the doom giver though. Um, so you're pretty, you are pretty close to the end. The, the, um, but then it's like, Oh, there's still on board the doom giver and then Jedi Academy and blah, yes. blah, blah. So I think I'm pretty close to the end, but well, the, it's it's not a short game. This is another it's not a short yeah. Game. This is another throwback to where I mean it's almost accepted now that modern shooter campaigns are ten hours or less, and yeah. essentially this is a throwback to you know games that that were you know if you weren't twenty to thirty hours, you weren't worth paying money for, and yeah, it feels much more like a Kotor or a Mass Effect, yeah. something of those sort, and that yep. scale. And it's um it, it is really interesting to see that because I feel like games now pack a lot in in a limited amount of time and i'm not saying that that you know length equals value because i know people get into that really foolhardy debate online but there is kind of something to be said about a title that was meant to exist for a long period of time that was meant to basically let you play it for a while and and i i don't know 
I don't know now looking back on it. I don't know if I'm like surprised by it because I'm just used to games that are shorter than this or if I'm reacting to it because in order to make a game last that long, you do kind of have to have some filler, which I think you could reasonably say there is some of that in here. Yeah, I think the trick would be, and again, this is an era where the reason I probably didn't play this game is because I was playing Halo 1 so much in right. that era. Um, and Halo 1 is not a game that takes a long time to beat. Um the first playthrough probably took, you know, 20, 25 hours. Um, but then, like, we would go back, and I, I, I mean, I was in college, too, so we had a lot of time. Um, but we'd go back, and, like, we'd just, the friends and I would come back from, you know, dinner or something and be like, hey, should we just, like, try to speedrun Assault on the Control Room? Um, and like, yeah, sure. We're just going to play that one level and see how fast we can do mm -hmm. it. Um, so we played tons of Halo that way. Um that I feel like would have been harder to play in a game like this because I, I, I mean, I haven't watched speedruns. I'm sure people speedrun this well, but it doesn't feel built the same way for a speedrun because there's so many spots that slow you down. Yeah. I, w I will say this, that uh, if you do get a chance to check out some speedruns of this game, you'll be surprised because this is a pretty amazing like speedrun game. It also, I bet if it's pretty broken in places too, I bet. Yes. It has to be. <laughs> well, force powers kind of make that happen. And we haven't really talked about that. Yeah. I, I kind of want to loop into that here in just a second. But if you get a chance, if you're interested at all in speedrunning, I would recommend there's a couple of AGDQ runs of this. Uh, some uh, gentleman by the name of, who goes by Covert Muffin, um, has quite a few... I feel Jedi like I've Knight seen speedruns by him by, before, so I, I bet I've seen him pull, maybe speedrun this, actually. Yeah, he's run this, he's run the sequel to this, which is uh, Jedi Academy, I believe, and then this last AGDQ, the one that, that just happened as of about a, a month ago, when we were, well, a couple weeks ago, actually, as we're recording this, uh, I believe he ran a fan-made mod of Jedi Academy. Hmm. Which, which was pretty cool to watch live, yeah. And so I want to get into the, the Force powers a little bit and just talk about it because what's interesting to me too is that as much as this game is off-putting in the first few levels, I do feel like it strengthens the story uh, because there, there really is this sense of, at least I felt, that the first few levels is Kyle Katarn as a character who once had Jedi powers and gave them up and chose to basically close himself off from the Force, which is really interesting to talk about when we have a cinematic equivalent of that in, uh, yeah, in, the, new, Jedi, yeah. in the Last Jedi. And then he makes a decision in the game to, to reverse that decision to save a friend. And what's interesting is well, how... Well, not to save a friend at first, to avenge a friend in anger. Right. Um, which I also think is a, a good story arc here. Um, back in 2002 where Phantom Menace has come out, right? We'll toss that out. Yes. Um, but they don't really ever say Sith in this game. No. Um, they talk about Dark Jedi, um, which is much more the expanded universe, um, especially early pre-prequels expanded universe terms for, you know, Jedi that fall. Yep. Essentially. And I remember uh, I was listening to a different podcast recently where they were talking, they were basically comparing and contrasting all of the Star Wars trilogies of which we live in a world where there's now a trilogy of trilogies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, how about that? Mm -hmm. But effectively, the idea of Sith is not really made canon until the prequel trilogy. And yeah, Phantom Menace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not until Phantom Menace comes out that you actually hear the word Sith spoken by somebody on screen. And this whole game 
exists in a world that is really, really tied to the expanded universe. Yeah. Which is another yeah. reason why I think fans really like it and why I really like it. Because there was a lot of cool stuff that happened in the expanded universe. And you really oh, do yeah. get a chance to see some of that happen. And it does kind of make it feel a little bit more alive. Because once, you know, I feel like once something exists in both print, but then may, maybe also like in a comic and then maybe in a video game. Like it just, the expanded universe had that ability to connect all these different pieces of multimedia to make it feel almost as big as the feature films. And well. And it's worth pointing out, right, that this is now non-canon yep. um, as of, what, 2012, 2013. Yep. Um, because the whole expanded universe isn't, which is sad in a lot of ways, because this, as as a thing that happens after the original trilogy, um, especially now that we have the full 7 through 9 trilogy to sort of compare it to, um, there's a ton of these stories in the expanded universe. There's lots of bad parts of the expanded universe. Let's toss it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's yeah. some garbage books in the expanded <laughs> universe. Sure. Um, there's like a, what, 120 something of them? 120 yeah. something. Um, and I've had friends who have read all of them. I have not, but I've read a bunch of them that are like, man, this is good. Like this is as good or better than, um, what we got. 20 years or 30 years later in the case of some of them that come out in the very early nineties, um, that there were a lot of these good ideas. And I think this is a good story, right? I think the story that's being told in this is good. Um, and you're right with that, that Sith aspect of the prequels kind of lean into this of like, Oh, well you're either a Jedi or you're a Sith and that's it. And there's no gray. Um, and Katarn's a pretty gray character. He's a very gray Jedi. Yeah. And, and he sort of, exists in that universe where he he even continues to be and and you know i don't want to get too spoiler well i mean we can talk about whatever we want to it's an 18 year old game but there's a sequel to this (laughs) game where where you know he continues on that path of being a jedi and while he's you know basically a good guy he doesn't completely eschew the powers of the dark and and i find that a really interesting compliment to the star wars universe and and it really is interesting to analyze some of the decisions made in a game like this, which for all intents and purposes happens maybe not exactly when, you know, the new Star Wars trilogy happens. In fact, I want to say maybe it's like 10-ish years or 15-ish years before. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's said uh, 12 after the Battle of Yavin. Um, okay. Is what I think I saw somewhere. Yeah, 12 ABY, yeah. So it's literally maybe like 15 years or a little bit more before The Force Awakens happens. But what I find interesting about this is, well, let me just ask you this question. Are you okay with me putting you on the spot and asking you a tough question? It depends on how tough it is, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Do you feel like with all the criticisms of The Last Jedi, and specifically the choices made with Luke Skywalker's character, do you feel like this representation of a post-Yavin Luke Skywalker or the representation that we got in Rise of Skywalker is a truer representation, or could they both exist in that continuum? Oh, I think they could both exist. Um, Especially if you're saying this is like 15 years, right? This is what Luke's doing at that point, right? He's trying to build an academy. Yeah. Um, no, I think, I th- and I mean, I think the Luke in um, whatever that one is, Last Jedi, um, I have very few problems with, I have problems with Luke in that, but I don't think I have the problems that a lot of people have with Luke in that one. Um, it's very easy for Luke to have lost his way or, you know, 
had things go bad. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Especially like Lu- Luke is not a fully trained Jedi. That's the whole point of Return <laughs> of the Jedi. Is Yoda's like and an Empire too. That's the whole point of Empire. Is Yoda's like um, you should stay here and become like good at stuff. And Luke's like no gonna go and do this the easy way and Yoda's like uh that's definitely not how this should go and he does right yeah that's why Vader beats him so easily in Empire right he's toying around with him yeah um and why he is able to beat him uh, until Luke gives into anger in Jedi um until Luke is really pushed over the, over the edge um so like Luke is not the best Jedi he's the best Jedi post return of the Jedi because He's the last one to left. Use, yeah, to use the title of eight, he's the last Jedi. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. At least the last canonically trained Jedi at that time. So, yeah, interesting. Okay. okay, I think Luke's done well here in this game. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think? And I know this isn't really this isn't really possible, quote unquote, because of the decisions that were made that the expanded universe is effectively relegated to what they call legends now. Do you feel that the events of this game? Can't, could still exist in a timeline with the Rise of Skywalker or the new trilogy timeline. Do you feel like this could still exist in that? Yeah, I think it, it would it would take shoehorning not for the plot elements, but for the design choices. Um, the fact that like the way that Jedi are Jedi, things like the Valley of the Jedi, mm-hmm. right? Th- mm-hmm. Those sorts of things are like very much this old expanded universe. Um, right. And like the Thrawn trilogy, but there's all these sorts of things in there that are just like, well, we've kind of decided those, those plot devices essentially that work well in those stories don't exist in this universe. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that would be the problem of having, not to say that I wouldn't love this to still be canon, but I think that if it is, boy, and even canon had different levels. This was never movie canon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, that. It, it opens up those questions of like, well, why don't they just you go to the Valley of the Jedi? And that's a good question. Well, and what I find funny about this is that the the Valley of the Jedi is such a universe breaking thing. <laughs> that... Sure, right? He's like, oh, I give up my force powers. Better just go stand in this beam of light. Um, <laughs> like, cool, got all my force powers back. Well, and it, it always centers around somehow what I love about the Star Wars universe. It is, it is a universe that is supposedly vast and ageless. You know, we have... We have space-faring civilizations that go back tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years. And yet somehow there is this place called the Valley of the Jedi that nobody knows about until these games happen. And then everybody finds out about them. <laughs> Keep well, it secret. secret. until this, right? And, right, yeah. Keep it secret. Keep it safe. Kinda. <laughs> then suddenly everyone finds out about it. I mean, I will put out there that I, I do like a lot of the ideas in the expanded universe like this that are much more of the the feel that anyone can be a Jedi, which which is also there present in Last Jedi. Yeah. Um, and then not in uh, Return of Skywalker or Revenge of Skywalker or whatever. <laughs> it um, probably should be Revenge, but it's Return. <laughs> Revenge of Skywalker. Yeah. Um, yeah, that are not present there. Rise of Skywalker. That, that like, you do have to be born a Jedi. Yeah. Um, whereas Kyle Katarn was not, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I yeah. didn't play Jedi at one, but well, and I think I think the <laughs> the thing that maybe is a little bit too fan servicey, but actually ultimately kind of works is it, the the character arc of Kyle Katarn is really interesting too because you actually don't get much of a sense of that in this game other than like yeah he's a smuggler and a rogue, but like the original uh, Jedi or the original Dark Forces game, he was literally a Han Solo type, like he was 
had no connection to the force whatsoever. And you played through the entirety of the game that way, that he was just some guy who was pretty good with weapons and had a decent ship and did odd jobs for the rebellion. And that game took place before the fall of the empire. And Hmm. it's really interesting to follow an arc of a character like that, to see somebody who's basically just, nah, I don't believe in any of that stuff. And then find out that he can have this connection to the force. I think it's a really interesting character explanation or exploration. And the, you know, the, the games that are coming out around this, right? Shadow, shadows of the empire. This reminds me a lot of shadows, the empire, um, which was on N64, right? Yeah. Now that was featured at dash Rendar. Yeah. Um, and it has that same feel of like, I, I don't know. I, I miss this era where you can have interesting characters that are not part of these two families. Yes. Um, or that like, yeah, I, I don't care what happened to Jeff Dash Rendar before or after. Like, he's interesting for this slice of time when Shadows of the Empire happens, which is a great game. Mm-hmm. Also, um, a great novel Ka- if you haven't read it. Yeah, agreed. Um, and Cal Katarn is here too, right? He, it's great to have p- people like him filling out this universe. Um, and yeah, it doesn't matter if there's a ton of Jedi's. Kotor came out uh, came out right after this. I just looked in 2003. Yeah. Um, and in KOTOR is a very different feel of this, but also such a, obviously, phenomenal game. And there's also, um, it's interesting. Where there's tons of Jedi, you know? Yeah, to bring up KOTOR, uh, I did not realize this, but apparently Revan is mentioned by name somewhere in Rise of Skywalker, making him effectively canon. Yeah, I've read those clickbaity articles, or I've read the headlines <laughs> of those clickbaity articles. Yeah. I've not dug in. It, it's not. So the, the Star yeah. Wars universe is kind of... I mean, it's a little bit of a mess, but what I like about it is the fact that whether it's canon or not, whether it's legends or not, there's all these stories that exist that you can enjoy. And I feel like in, in a vacuum, uh, just ignoring the fact of whether or not this really exists, which in, in, in fantasy or science fiction or anything fictional, I always find the obsession of whether or not this is actually valid hilarious because it's like it's all yeah, fiction it's if a game you, if you enjoyed it then you enjoyed it and nobody yeah. can tell you to not enjoy it <laughs> like yeah um yeah but it's interesting from a design choice too when i'm thinking about kotor because there were points in this game where if it were a modern game i feel like i would have had a um a menu pop-up to say so like um oh i don't know what uh Desan's, like second in command is like you fight her for with for a bit yeah 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 his his uh his padawan basically his yeah um and that you win and you're like using also you're using force grip and force lightning but you're using force grip to like hold her over a pit um and he's like i'm gonna kill you now and she's like no wait i have information he's like you know why should i let you live um and i feel like you know if this was in a modern game um even after she gives you the information there would have been a button choice to be like save her or just drop her in the pit yeah um that i feel like katarn is a character that you know is always walking that line where he could have done either and if as a character he had just dropped her in the pit i'd been like i would i would have thought oh wow yeah he's he's really turning pretty dark here and it's the would have fit his character so um, because what, again he's quite gray what's interesting is the um did you ever play the original jedi knight do you remember playing the the first one I, again if I did, not enough to leave an impact. So there are canonically two, well, canonically, there there are two endings to Jedi Knight. There is one where you are the light side dude and you save the Valley of the Jedi and ever there's peace in the universe and kumbaya. That is obviously the ending that they chose for this game as a starting point. Got it. 
there is also an ending where you are you become the dark jedi you slay the big baddie and you take the power for yourself and become basically the new empire emperor forever uh and i believe there are you talk about like a choice of whether to kill or save there's not like a choice there's not like a dialogue prompt that pops up i believe but there is this like he's basically like a newly kind of force adept understudy kind of guy. And he's basically this punk kid hanging out with the dark Jedi in the original Jedi Knight. And based upon a, your force alignment, I believe it plays out differently that you have a battle with him and you either spare him or kill him. And whether or not you spare him or kill him, uh, puts you on the path to becoming hmm. either light or dark. So it's not so much as like a dialogue prompt pops up and, and does it, but it's literally all of your like force power investment and choices in the game sort of playing out in real time, which I think is an interesting choice. Yeah, which is kind of how KOTOR did it to some degree too. It's also, I believe it, it affects what color lightsaber you have because in, uh, in, the, in this game, Kyle Katarn's lightsaber is blue and it is the lightsaber I believe he built for himself. Originally in the first Jedi Knight game, wow, I'm, I'm really getting super nerdy here. So it's like <laughs> it's time for Burns's lightsaber color, you know, moment. But here we go. Uh, his first lightsaber that he inherits uh, is green. It is destroyed if you go down the light side path and you take the yellow saber of the kid that you try to save uh, if, mm. if you go light side. So you end the game with a yellow saber if you're a good guy and a green one, your original green one, and then I think eventually a red one. Um, but in this one, you have a... a a blue saber, which is interesting. So, but they, I mean, they, these games are so like, there's so many levels of that. Like there's a lot happening in this plot, which I had kind of forgotten until I played it. And I was like, man, there's, I mean, they thought this out. This is a pretty good story. <laughs> no, it is a good story. Yeah. Like, I mean, has this been, I didn't look, has it, this has been novelized. I, I would imagine. Uh, that's a good question. I would, I don't know. I, w- I would have to imagine that there's some sort of at least comic book or something, but it's, uh, it's 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 very good. So we we talked about we've talked about the you know basically the game. So how would you rate this game like as a game that exists that you can play in 2020? Like I mean, how do you just overall? Are you going to finish it? You think? Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to finish it. Okay. Um, I mean, it feels like we're getting to the point where we say, do we recommend this or not? Yeah, I think yeah. I mean, with caveats. Sure. Understanding that you're playing a game from 2002 that's being wedged well, into a console-shaped hole. <laughs> yeah, right. And <laughs> understanding that you're playing the type of game it is yeah. is important. And that took me like, maybe an hour or two to figure out that this isn't a checkpoint-based game, like you said. And it's not a game where you're supposed to have a blaster. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some degree, it's a puzzle platformer, realistically, um, in a lot of places. There are a lot of jumping puzzles and... Ugh. You get force jump, which is nice. Yeah. But yeah, there's a bunch of places where it's just like, okay, I have to solve this maze or whatever. And unlike a modern game, there's no map or or waypoint system. No. So um, you're just left to stumble in the dark. <laughs> man, a, a waypoint system would be great. <laughs> Sometimes you're left to literally stumble in the dark and, and are forced to remember that you have like um, night vision goggles. Right, there's once or twice that happens. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm actually on one of those in the level I'm on, which is also here's another frustrating point, um, which is also the like um, Metal Gear Solid um, part of the game, where you just have to sneak around behind boxes and not get caught. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember that part of the Obligatory game. Obligatory stealth section. Boy, yes. it's not a fun one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and especially like 
like you said, you know, 20 hours in or whatever you're at and you're like, oh, cool. You're almost done with the game. Hold on. Let's have you do this thing you've never done. Hold up a minute. (laughs) <laughs> totally antithetical to how this game has been played so far. <laughs> um, again, hundreds of Rodians, if not thousands, <laughs> are dead in this game. <laughs> so many, so many Rodians have been thrown against Calcaturn's lightsaber um, and have not been able to stop him. But now, like, you're in this, wherever you're at, and if one Imperial offers, officer presses one red button, uh, apparently millions of stormtroopers come out of the walls or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the argument would be like, let them come. Uh, <laughs> I could probably fight them all off, but uh, it, you're not allowed to, you just get tossed into a cell and die. Yeah. So yeah. not a fun part of the game. Yeah. Well, I do, I guess I do want to circle back to this because the, we've talked a little bit about the gameplay just in terms of the gun combat and how it's just not a great first impression, but I would argue that the most important part of this game and what was literally on like the promotional images. In fact, I remember I remember the ad for this game that ran in PC Gamer back in the day before it launched was Kyle Katarn walking down a hallway, dragging his lightsaber across the wall. And there was like, it was leaving, you know, a, a trail. Sure. And yep. then at the very front, he had carved the, the logo for this game, the lightsaber like logo. So very clearly from the beginning they're focusing on the fact that like yo dog in this game you get a lightsaber and that's where most people argue that the game begins so specifically in terms of like the lightsaber combat and the force powers which are two things that this game does differently than most games at the time or even now i mean it's it's it was held up i think as probably the best lightsaber combat in any game probably until jedi fallen order just came out and maybe it still does i don't know i haven't played fallen order what what do you think about those parts of the game? Like specifically using your lightsaber and using your force powers? Oh yeah. I mean, once you become a Jedi and you have your lightsaber, um, you feel like a Jedi, right? Like you feel like these guys have blasters and haha, I have a lightsaber. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. Again, that's the fun part of the game. Um, and throwing a lot of it's done well, right? Being able to throw your lightsaber, um, all the different force powers, I will say, kind of like blasters, they leave you remembering that you should be playing this with a keyboard and mouse. Hotkeys um, for force powers? Both hotkeys and just precision. Yeah. Um, that that the sort of error that's allowable in some of those, like if you try to force push someone, like you really have to be on them. Um, whereas if this was being designed for a console, I think they would have put a little bit more air around those hitboxes mm-hmm. um, to account for just that sticks aren't as precise. I do feel like there was either no adjustment or minimal adjustment. Uh, yeah, made. I've read none yeah. for the console ports. Yeah, so that would make sense where it just feels, and that's something that we don't talk a lot about, I mean, on this show, but I mean, I think most people are familiar with, but in case you're not, the reason that bungee shooters famously feel very good is because they were the first people to really nail what type of control input adjustments you need to make to make shooters feel right on a console. And that is basically magnetism, which is when you're dragging your cursor across a bad dude, your cursor speed literally plummets uh, when you actually make contact with the person because ultimately in a shooter, what are you going to want to point at? Bad guys. Um, But then also adjustments to aim. 
that that basically are slightly more forgiving hitboxes that most people don't notice are happening in the background, but when, are happening. When they're done well, they're subtle, but they're not done here. Yes, they, they just don't exist. And so it feels almost impossible to, t- to do what yeah, you so want you're just waving do. a blaster around like... <laughs> And in a game that's already, as we established at the beginning of this conversation, in a game that's already difficult to hit somebody, because it is difficult to hit somebody even with a keyboard and mouse because of the travel time of the projectiles, um, on a console it just feels like a real punishment. Like, it's like, yep. what do you want me to do? <laughs> yep. So, so it's like, okay, it, okay, you need to stand still. I'm going to stand still. Okay, now let's both try to shoot each other. <laughs> it's a duel, um, see? 20 paces. Here we go. Yeah. yeah, and if you're at 20 paces, you're both going to fire for a while before either hits. So, <laughs> But that is uh, that is Jedi Outcast. Don't be surprised if in the near future, Paul, I start begging you to uh, have us play Jedi Fallen Order because the whole reason that I, I wanted to pick this game... I mean, I've wanted to play it, so... Yeah, I mean, the whole I reason... Mean, I, I held this one up is because Jedi Fallen Order, you know, got a lot of good press and people talked about like how the lightsaber combat is about as good as it was in this game. And it was like, God, that makes me want to go back and play that game. And then, you know, obviously all the story elements that we've talked about, but, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you were able to find the fun in it. Cause when I got that text from you, I was like, Oh boy, I bet I know what's happening. <laughs> so, yeah. And I think if you start playing this with a warning and an understanding that there's a game genie in it for the first few levels, yep. um, yeah, and to use saves, not checkpoints. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good story in it. Exactly. And it is fun. Yeah. It's a fun game deep in, and it's a long game, man. Long game. Thumbs up if you know what you're getting into, and, and I would absolutely say that as well. I've been really having a blast with my playthrough, but it is really interesting to hold up as, as you know, modern games have changed a lot of things, but if you're okay playing a Relic from 2002 with all the, you know, pitfalls that go with that, it's still a pretty great game. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss what we're going to be playing next time on this podcast. This is The Missing Save File, and uh, we'll be right back. Ah, Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Give me the Star Wars, don't let them in. Ah, Star Wars, if they should How about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask, did he scare you as much as he scared me? Star Wars! Those near in Star Wars! My seventh winner up here! Star Wars! Welcome back to The Missing Save File. We are going to now dive into the episode that we're going to record for next month. So again, this whole video game as a book club podcast idea is us just really trying to get through our video game piles of shame, have a good excuse to play some good games, and have you guys get involved with us too. And at the suggestion of some of our listeners and super fans, we have made a couple of tweaks to the format. I think this was a really great suggestion that we end each show with a conversation about what we're going to do next time so (laughs) paul it's your pick and i'm gonna put you on the spot because right now we have two games that we had talked about and i i will say we need to pick one that you had talked about uh you were either gonna have me play super mario world 2 yoshi's island or you were gonna have me play overcooked 
two. And I will play either of those, but I think I think you should decide one. Which which one well, do you then, want me to play? Boy, we're gonna get we're gonna let luck decide here. And okay, we're doing some RNG here. All right, great. As the sound of the dice. Um <laughs> and one or two, it's gonna be overcooked, and uh three this is a D four, is what I pulled. Okay. Uh three, four, lowest die I have uh will be Mario two. Boy. Oh, and it's off the desk. That's that's a re-roll, right? That's got to be a re-roll. <laughs> yeah, it is. That was on the carpet. Uh, uh, that, is, that is a one. Okay. So. Which I think I said overcooked. So overcooked. <laughs> it's, and so I was actually. So, so months ago, months, months ago, I, I, I said that you should play overcooked one, right? Yeah. Um, and I'm updating that because I think you have played a little bit of overcooked one. Yeah. Um, and very similar to the discussion we just had about um, game and, you know, how games change as they as they go um that is getting updated to overcooked 2 um, okay. which in many ways i think if you had some problems with overcooked 1 that slowed you down a lot of those are smoothed out okay in overcooked 2 overcooked 2 is is just kind of the refinement of the of the formula it's a pretty clean game engine okay so um, i have to ask this you have been championing overcooked for a while is there a specific reason you really want me to play overcooked <laughs> <laughs> it is really fun, but it'll also just, man, it'll get you to yell at people. Yeah. Are you trying <laughs> to get me to split with my wife? No. <laughs> so I think I also said, you know, play this one. This this one is a great to play with your wife. Uh -huh. um, but um, Overcooked 2 also has online multiplayer that's pretty clean. So we could also play this one as much as you want oh. at any point. Um, and... You you could yell at me or, uh, <laughs> or other friends about how I'm not chopping carrots the correct way or something. Oh, man. Um, we have to find I a way play. to capture that audio. Um, I really, <laughs> really, that's now my... Okay, so I've got some homework to do. Yeah, so, I, I will say, you said I, I've played a lot. So I've 100% of both of these games achievement-wise, but also gameplay-wise. Um, and they... the. Two has a lot of DLC, some of it free, some of it not. Um, they every bunch of months pump out more DLC, sometimes seasonal updates, sometimes other stuff. But um, man, there's a lot of depth to this. So okay. um, I probably, I mean, I'll go back and play the early campaign. But like I just finished up the second seasonal update for the Lunar New Year. They did one of those last year too, but they also just released a bunch of levels. And it's like, man, every time they release levels, it's just another chance to play a fun game. So, well, in Overcooked 2 right now, I believe it's on pretty much every modern platform, right? It's, oh yeah, I bet. Um, what are you normally playing this on? Xbox. Okay. So, I'll have to try to hook up a Xbox copy. I do know that they do have it on Switch. Uh, it's also been on sale on Steam, so there you go. I'm certain it's on PS4 as well. So, yeah. Oh yeah, I, I, it's probably on everything. So, if you <laughs> want to play along with us and experience the 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 maddening joy that comes with yelling at someone because they're not making soup fast enough. I'll make that caveat too, right? Play this game with someone. This yeah. is started as one of the best couch co-op games you'll play, but the online co-op now makes it, you know, you could yell at your friends, even if they're not next to you. Yeah, because I think I had a copy of Overcooked 1 because it's pretty much been one of those games that has been available for, if you're a PlayStation person, it's been a PlayStation Plus game. If you're an Xbox yeah, person, yeah. it's been on Xbox Live. I think it's been in that rotation of just games that are given away because I think Overcooked 2, if they're still actively developing it, is like what they're, you know, what they're currently supporting. So I will 
find myself a copy of Overcooked 2. I will have my wife play. I, I will not guarantee that she will be here to talk about it, but she has been good enough to guest star on podcasts before. So if that at all has she people... Could, she could do a, a written statement, um, <laughs> written testimony of how, <laughs> how horrible of a person you are when you're not cooking super fast enough. Well, how funny would that be that like my wife refused to be here on the podcast today. However, <laughs> she has prepared the following statement. <laughs> So we've done a, a deposition and <laughs> <laughs> if, uh, if you would like my wife to appear on the podcast with us, feel free to leave us a comment on either our Facebook page or our Twitter account. Uh, pretty much everywhere we are, we are missing save file. So you can find us missing save file on Twitter or on Facebook. We also have a website which has uh, information on all of our past episodes and how to get a hold of us that way. But, uh, yeah, if you, <laughs> if you would like my lovely wife to show up, on this podcast, <laughs> I could probably peer pressure her to do that. And uh, it's usually a good time when, when she shows up. Uh, Paul and I have done previous podcasts before, and in, in a Star Trek podcast we did, she showed up and did one of my favorite episodes. So I will play Overcooked 2, and that will do it for this week's episode, or this month's episode, rather, of The Missing Save File. The best thing you can do to help any new podcast grow is to tell a friend about it. So if you have enjoyed- Tell two friends. Tell, yes. Tell as many as you want to. Word of mouth really does work. Just, so, just two. Just two. Just two. That's, that's, that makes it approachable. We're putting you know? a cap on it. Yeah. We don't want you to stand on the corner and hand out pamphlets or anything like that. But uh, that will help us out. You can also follow us on Facebook. We are facebook.com slash missing save file. You can find us on Twitter where we are at missing save file. Our website is missing save file.com. Our theme music was composed by Tombo Fry. You should check out his stuff on Bandcamp. We will try to leave a link in the show notes. And that is it. Until next time, I'm Jason. And I'm Paul. And we'll see you at the next save point. It's a piece of cake and make a pretty cake. 